0: All right, well welcome everyone. Uh, this is Jim Barton and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Connolly. and this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, today we are talking about um, death by suicide as we continue our um, series on death and the Bible um, and um, what that means at the top here we wanted to give a content warning um, we are gonna be talking about um, suicide and uh, that would include incidental references to things like depression and mental health, although maybe less than you would expect when you look at what's actually in the scripture. But in any case, for any of those who um, this would be a, a difficult topic, uh, be advised that we're gonna be talking about those things somewhat in detail. All right, so right at the top, um, I wanted to talk about vocabulary And um, the difference between saying that someone died by suicide and someone committed suicide. And Abby, you want to give uh, some thoughts on those two phrases and why one is preferred?
1: Yeah. So I'm guessing that even um, some of our listeners would be surprised to hear committed by suicide or um, died by suicide rather than committed by suicide um, or committed suicide because we've been very, Used to using the committed suicide um, because that obviously has some connotations of somebody who did something wrong, um, somebody who committed a crime in some cases. We are shifting right now to prefer to say someone died by suicide. Um, many, many people, um, there's so much shame around either attempting suicide or having a family member who committed suicide that the hope is this language, this shift, makes it okay to talk about someone dying in a particular way. Um, And to remove blame from the person who has died. So it's no longer they committed a crime, but instead they died in a particular
0: way. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, this is often happens with um, stigmatizing behavior that you, You want to prevent, uh, it can backfire. So um, we don't want anyone to die by suicide. Um, We think that, I mean, obviously that is a tragedy when someone dies, um, um, you know, um, by uh, uh, early or they die uh, unnecessarily. And uh, we think the death by suicide probably falls under that in in almost every situation. Um, But when you stigmatize conduct, that sometimes has the opposite effect. And for example, if there's a person who is considering it and then them to think the considering of it makes them sinful right well that's not helping a person who's experiencing um, suffering
1: right Um, and contrary to popular belief talking about suicide shifting the language does not actually increase the rate of suicide Um, one of the recommendations is if you suspect someone is suicidal like as a mental health um not a mental health provider but kind of adjacent to that in pastoral counseling I am literally encouraged by people who know far more than I do to say, Are you considering suicide?
0: Mm, um, right.
1: So, this becomes the people think if you talk about it by asking that I put that in your head, and the answer is no, I didn't. I destigmatized it and gave you a chance to say, Yes, I am considering yeah. it, and then get some help.
0: Yeah. So. Okay, so that's, um, we'll do um, our best to use the the language of die by suicide. I, Abby and I were talking about this before um, the podcast. I, I will admit that I have, it is um, something that I need to adopt, and I haven't completely uh, changed my uh, internal vocabulary on it, but um, I do think it's important, so. All right, so we wanted to start off by talking about the suicides that are in the Bible, and I think some of these will be familiar to people, and some of them will not. Um, the first uh one I've I've uh, grouped as heroic suicide. Right. Yeah. So that's uh the story of Samson. And um, you know, um for those of you who don't know, Samson is this character who uh had uh, sort of superhuman strength and it was tied to his glorious long hair. Uh he uh he fell in love with a uh, a, a bad woman as you know has been the problem for many a hero. And, um, you know, eventually, uh, he tells her that his strength is from his long hair. Uh, she has the Philistines shave his head. He loses his strength in this great. I mean, it's a really nice, it's a nice movie, uh, plot line, right? He's chained to the pillars in the Philistine, uh, meeting hall. His a little bit of hair grows back. He gets a little bit of his super strength back and he pulls the pillars down and, and crashes the pillars down on top of the Philistines and he kills all of them, but he kills himself too. And so, um, I mean, that's certainly a suicide, an act of suicide for sure, but Samson is raised up as a hero uh, uh, in that story. What do you think, did I miss anything? Samson
1: Samson is, the whole Samson narrative is this story of kind of superhero. I mean, that's what he is, he has superhero strength. It comes from this Nazarite vow that means he doesn't touch dead bodies and he doesn't cut his hair. So that's like one of the problems when he touches the lion's body, and another story and takes honey out of it. He's not supposed to do that. Samson doesn't follow rules whenever I actually do this story with kids. Um, I make sure to say, you know how we talk about being like characters in the Bible. You never want to be like Samson. Like if Samson makes a choice, you should do the exact opposite. Um, And they giggle and those things, but he is not, not known for being, making all the great choices. Um, it's notable that he is considered one of the judges of Israel. It's not just superhuman superhero stories. Um, he mm-hmm. is the leader of Israel as well. And um, his suicide is the this, this story of saving his people by killing everyone there who is mocking him. They've blinded him. They've tied him up. They have a superhero that they can mess with now, essentially. But by knocking the columns, he kills off the foes of his people,
0: right. So, this leads us to when you go you, the, the the people the suicides that we're going to talk about. If you do any kind of like a Google search for suicides in the Bible, you'll, these six or so will come up. So, um, th- th- our our uh, our fundamentalist friends would agree hundred percent with the list as presented. Um, however, I will say that this case creates something interesting when you say things like he was mocked, he was chained up by the people. And then he brought about his own death so that he could save the Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, the people of Dan. Is that what he said? He was the, in the, the judge tribe of Dan? Thing. Yes. Um, so at this hey, point, that's
1: Hebrew, yeah. not Israelites.
0: Hebrew and not Israelites, because we don't have, well, Israel is, uh, the story of Israel is before, but yeah, yeah but fair was, enough. In, yeah. Historically speaking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in any case, um, Gosh, who else uh, gets uh, captured and chained and mocked and then is uh, tortured and then, according to some, uh, allows himself to die for the salvation of all people? Is that Jesus? I mean, did Jesus uh, commit suicide in so order to uh, save uh, the souls of uh, of us all? Abby? So
1: if, if you place the point of atonement, we have another Bloody Mary Bible brunch on atonement, at Jesus's death, then you probably have the narrative that Jesus chose death. Um, Jesus did not call 10,000 angels to prevent his death. Jesus did not perform any super feat by doing that. So if you believe the point of atonement is a voluntary death by Jesus, you could make the argument for suicide. Gemini are not the people who would be heavily invested in that argument.
0: Right, because I believe what happened with Jesus is he spoke truth to power, and the consequence of speaking truth to power was his execution by the state. Right. And if that's your narrative, and his truth was so important, that he had to speak it even to jeopardize his life, even if that resulted in his death, that's not suicide, for sure. But if you believe that Jesus had to spill Jesus's blood in order to atone for the sins of Christians, and let's just say Christians, because that's the only place this stuff comes from, then I think... Jesus sacrificed his life for our salvation in the same way that Samson sacrificed his life. And I think then Jesus gets listed to the ad, the suicides in the Bible. That's where we would might differ from our fundamentalist friends, though, may not accept that. They would accept all, everything up to the point until like I called it a suicide.
1: Yes. And we also, neither Jim nor I, place the point of salvation upon Jesus's death.
0: I think that's no. what say. Yeah, that's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of messing with people who don't have anything to lose, but I mean, uh, uh, we don't have anything—we don't have any stake in. So that's not a nice way to do theology. But I do think it's—it's it, it's an interesting point to consider how how strongly you take this this question of Jesus let himself die. Jesus died for if 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 when you say Jesus died for our sins, Jesus is the one causing the dying. Then now we do kind of bump into uh at least arguably a question about suicide.
1: Right, especially since. The, this is the same model in which Jesus could have made any sort of intervention yep. or to not cause that. So right. it, is, it is a consensual death, which even those people would, the, the people who are very invested in the death of Jesus would say, yes, it
0: had to be a consensual death. Right. So, so moving to other examples of consensual death, which are interestingly, I don't know if these are, I think they're suicides. We have two uh, death by armor bearer you know, like death by the police is when you like sort of are committing a crime, you run into it and so you can die in a hail of bullets or whatever. Um, We have a couple examples of death by um, armor bearer in scripture. The first one is, it comes from Judges. It's in the story around Gideon and the follow-up king. The second king is actually named son of king or king's son or something, Abimelech. And then uh, Abimelech is a bad king. Uh, a woman it's important it's a woman throws a heavy stone a millstone at him and uh, hits him in the head mortally wounds him and he's upset because he will be killed by a woman can't have that so he asks his armor bearer to kill him and then his armor bearer kills him
1: for anyone who has ever seen a millstone yeah first of all let's go with Anybody who can throw a millstone, like you should probably stay
0: far away from that person to start. Yeah, on. this is the Brianna of Tarth situation <laughs> we have for sure. The illustrations that I found, other I looked at, they sort of showed her like on like a parapet and like sort of like, you know, pushing it off onto him. So I don't know if that, yeah, you're right. And none of them looked like a millstone. <laughs> they, all, they all look like a big hunk of rock, but anyway. Right, yeah. So, uh, so that's him, he's upset about that. A similar, um, a similar scene is uh, of Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel, um, is killed. He is mortally wounded in battle and he asks his armor bearer to essentially end his suffering and to kill him. Um, so these are two, where Samson's was heroic, I don't think there's anything heroic about these guys killing themselves but it feels kind of neutral to me.
1: Yeah. And we were, you know, one of the things that's notable is this is a trope that carries forward that when somebody is wounded and there's someone there with them, you know, will you please kill me? Because this is, yeah, this would be better to die this way than this other way. Um, And there are plenty of places in literature that we see that. um, And in movies and all of those things, Um, it does seem morally neutral. Like nobody is, condemn Saul at any point for doing that Saul is definitely condemned for visiting the witch of Endor yeah yeah lots of stuff right like Saul's list of problems is long this isn't one of them
0: right right uh so yeah that's million dollar baby right isn't I actually have you seen million dollar baby Mm -mm. oh I think that's I think they have a I think that there's a physician assistant or a friend assisted suicide in that one all right, the next three, I'm calling suicide by contrition, or suicide as contrition, because I don't really know if that's an accurate way to do it, say it or not, but these seem to be individuals who have done something that they feel um, is wrong, and we're going to kind of do it in ascending order. The first one here, I'm going to let Abby uh, pronounce it. What is the David's prophet guy? So my
1: best guess is
0: Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Um I I don't know a lot about him, he betrayed David, he gave David bad counsel, he was uh, discovered and he killed himself. Is that contrition or is that avoiding uh, embarrassment? Hard to say. Um, Zimri is a king of the uh, the tribe of Simeon. He lost a battle and uh, committed suicide uh, by burning his house down, which uh, is impressive uh, mechanism of committing suicide. uh, but that is recorded in scripture as well and then of course we have judas who um you know betrayed jesus and brought about the death of jesus and then committed suicide by hanging inside uh, uh, so okay in these cases each of these guys did something wrong and they killed themselves um but, Abby, I don't see any additional, like, sinfulness associated with their suicide in, in the scripture. No,
1: and Judas, Judas, clearly the problem with Judas is that he betrayed Jesus, not right. the manner in which he died. This becomes somewhat shameful, depending on which gospel you read, that he would mm-hmm. essentially not own up to what he did, it seems. Um, and, like, they can't use the money in the same way because it's blood money. So, you know, what do we do with this blood money? They buy a potter's field in one narrative to bury people who couldn't otherwise afford it. But it seems that the really big problem with Judas is the betrayal, not the suicide. So much so that not even all the gospel writers tell us um, the same story, which isn't unusual. But you would think about Judas, there might have been the like, hey, here's what happened.
0: Um, it seems that the suicide of Judas is evidence that he is ashamed of his role in the betrayal of Jesus. I think that, is that a fair, or am I projecting onto the story?
1: No, I mean, I think that is fair. I think that, um, is absolutely, even from a, you know, kind of historical Jesus reading of this, that Judas was trying to make Jesus become king. And take Uh your rightful power. Like, even from that reading, you still end up with the like. I didn't intend for this person to die. I didn't intend for this to be the outcome.
0: And if we take these other, the other two in this category of the by contrition, to extent it seems that they are um, immediate in an immediate way ashamed of their conduct. But I do want to point out that in these three cases, it's they are of sound mind. They are it is a specific act that they're saying because of this act, I'm taking this act. We don't have any story in scripture of a, what we would now describe as a clinically depressed person. Mm -hmm. We don't have any story of a person who struggles with, um, depression. And then as a result of this struggle of mourning, then takes their own life. For example, um, David's first son is killed by God. David's son with Bathsheba is killed by God and there's discussion of David's extent mourning, but we don't hear of David thinking of suicide. We don't hear of Bathsheba killing herself because of this, like, you know, know, her son dying, you know? I mean, Bathsheba's husband was killed in war. She was raped by the king and then she had a child and then that child died uh, by God at God's hand, right? And we don't hear any, you know, we don't. So the idea of a person being, experiencing sort of what we would describe as a mental illness that leads to suicide is not is not in scripture i don't think
1: no and even people who are very much looking for stories of depression and mental illness the one where they come up with is ecclesiastes that Mm. definitely is not a person whose life ends in suicide um right it's a person who is struggling with depression in pretty significant ways
0: so we take a look at the scripture overall because I do want to talk about where we got this idea of the mortal sin, right? But before we talk about the mortal sin component of it, if we just sort of weigh things in scripture, is suicide right, wrong, or is it ambivalent? I would say it seems
1: ambivalent. Um, it's the same. It is the the weirdness of very little death, very few deaths recorded in the bible have these major moral this was absolutely wrong in a particular way yeah. we talked earlier about do not kill or do not murder um and those mm-hmm. still matter but i mean there are only like a handful of deaths that there's this clear this was immoral how did this happen mm-hmm. there are deaths in scripture
0: and we said uh the stories that are specifically about suicide i think don't give any guidance i mean i think they really are all over the place The good person who 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 uh died by suicide his death by suicide is courageous and valuable the bad people who die by suicide after committing a sin is maybe it's an expression it's a furtherance of their sinfulness or a demonstration further of how pathetic they were but it's not the suicide act itself doesn't play into it yeah um we i mean we did talk about in the in the episode on murder that you know the covenant with noah is don't spill human blood right Mm -hmm. um but frankly uh, upsettingly enough the what happens if you spill human blood according to the noahide covenant is you have to have your blood spilled right I. so (laughs) i did and then then in suicide does the person commit now I'm going back on I'm using this language intentionally. Do they commit a sin and then carry out the mechanism for uh, the penalty for it and the same act? It, the church fathers didn't see it that way, right? And so that's, I think that, so that, that maybe that's a good place to talk to this. Where did we get this idea? And we, we're we not prepared to talk real deeply about it, but generally speaking, where does it seem like this idea came from that makes suicide a mortal sin?
1: So it doesn't seem like it's really, really talked about until about the 16th century as like firmly that this is, this is the case. Clearly by the time we're reading Dante, the suicides are in hell. There's that problem. There are people writing kind of that kind of that dying by suicide means you can't repent of that. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. But it's also pretty clear that in the earliest few centuries of christian life this was no greater a sin than others um and even as christianity kind of becomes a state religion it's still several hundred years before that's that's even within the realm of possibility thomas aquinas seems to have written some about it but again still kind of formulating those things, and Aquinas is the 13th century, so well into Christianity.
0: And I think if you think about, um, once you start to really develop this notion that you have an after, I mean, the reference to Dante, I think, is super important, because I think, I think that identifying suicide as sinful um, comes really into play when you start thinking about a highly developed notion of afterlife, of like, there's tears of afterlife. And if the baby's not baptized, they go to limbo. And if this person is this, then you go to work your stuff off in purgatory and da da da. And so you have these notions. And then of course, Dante's uh, levels of heaven and hell and all that. I mean, that is where I think it starts to make more sense. Whereas if that, if you don't have that real detailed afterlife notion, um, maybe that, maybe it's, maybe it doesn't naturally come up as, you know what I mean, like maybe it's not as important a thing to diagnose and to explore, I don't know. Um, We did want to say, as we were sort of uh, uh, wrapping up here a little bit, is I wanted to talk just briefly about a component of this issue, which is really in our secular culture, which is uh, physician-assisted suicide. And um, one of the things that's interesting is that well, one thing is we as we just talked about we we had the two the death by armor bearers are both examples of where uh people asked to be killed right mm-hmm. so that's an example of where in the case they were either physically suffering and they wanted to be put out of their misery so to speak or they were in a place of shame um we now have this is one of our important sort of cultural issues is this question about whether um suicide can be assisted by someone and I think it's in 1997, as a nineteen ninety-seven case, uh Vaco v. Quill that I think has some interesting language. There's actually a whole series of cases around this question. But where they what they do is they make a distinction between um assisting someone to suicide, which the court says it's okay. Now, unfortunately, when we're talking about Supreme Court precedent, there's like tears of like of like understanding here. So what uh, the court really said is it is acceptable for the state to say it is unacceptable to help someone commit suicide. So the court was analyzing, does the state have the right to prohibit an individual from seeking assistance from a physician or to prohibit a physician from assisting an individual in committing suicide? And the court said, yes, that's okay. There's no constitutional right to death. You don't have a right to die in the manner that you choose, but well, that's
1: no, it it is just my, I, have definitely heard some very conservative people say it is my constitutional right to die in the manner in which I choose. And as we yeah. have conversation about like wearing masks right
0: now, the same thing is coming up. Yeah. Well, the court says they're wrong, believe it or not. But, but what's interesting is the court did say that you have a right to um, bodily integrity and you have a right to medical care. So you do have a right to refuse care. Right, so you do have uh, a right to uh, put in place a do not resuscitate order. Um, Good, and the state can't take that away. The state could not, no, no state could prohibit do not resuscitate orders. And then also they said that you have a right to, and this is I'm going to quote directly from the Supreme Court case here: death hastening pain medication. So that's an interesting turn of phrase. It sort of has all the trappings of sort of sterilizing things to make it sound okay. But death hastening pain medication comes to this idea, sometimes referred to as palliative care, where you're allowed to be given medicine, and if in if the medicine that you need to treat your pain is such that it results in your death, the state can't prohibit the doctor from treating your pain. Yeah. So. And, um. For just the
1: sake of conversation, from a healthcare perspective, um, we think of palliative care as synonymous with hospice, um, palliative care is any kind of care that is focused on treatment of pain and symptoms rather than curative. And it is available at any point in an illness, not just end of life. Now that might not be the legal way it is talked about, but there is end of life palliative care particularly, which is what we are talking about here. Um, right. And you know, all of those things, definitely have medications that are known to suppress not just pain but other parts of the body that are necessary to live. So one of the common ones is if we give you this it will ease your pain but it will slow your breathing and somebody can't can't stay alive in that state.
0: And what's interesting I think from our discussion on this is I think we've seen a lot of um, church, the church has in some ways has become involved in this conversation. One of my favorite uh, Kevin Smith movies is Dogma, and in Dogma, um, the devil is able to run rampant or the, the, the demons are able to run rampant because a god has taken the form of a human and they're keeping him alive. And the Catholic Church is um, protesting to keep this this vagrant alive, but the vagrant, it turns out, is really the body of God, like secretly contained in that. And so it's just like a little fun turn of phrase, But that's just, that's just Kevin Smith being irreverent. But um, the idea is that it is true that the church has really taken positions, the greater larger church, on being opposed to do not resuscitate orders, I believe. Um, uh, to some extent, I don't want to misquote, but I mean, that has become an issue of like, you know, ending, um, um, taking off life support. And of course, I think the church is very strongly opposed to um, physician-assisted suicide. So we see this, this, this is where religion moves in. But you know the title of this uh, podcast is Bloody Mary Bible Brunch, and if you look at the Bible, I don't think you see much support for the church taking a a strong stance in these issues. You know, this is one of the things
1: I constantly talk about: is our our ethics and our abilities have not caught up with each other. So the church often ends up being, oh no, we don't we don't do X, Y, or Z, whereas it's like. Well, it's a different conversation when you talk about end-of-life care when life has been sustained by medical intervention in a way that life is now extraordinarily painful and terrible. That's a different conversation than the conversations even from 30 years ago. Um, We're in a very, very different place. Um, And it is very weird. Interesting, you know, the church has been at points in time, okay, with denying burials to people, not just um, Christian churches, but other faith traditions as well, depending on how they died and what happened. The AIDS crisis is the other one in recent memory that plenty of people who died by AIDS were denied funerals, um, both because of their sexuality and because people didn't know what to do with AIDS. So those things all get very complicated when we start talking about how has faith informed these conversations and reacted to these conversations. Um, And right now, you know, we're, we're in the place of being appalled by decisions that are having to be made in the midst of a pandemic, but they butt up against these things of, of, which lives, which lives can we, we value most to saving five lives matter more than saving one? How do those things work?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think, um, I think what we see is that we just, <laughs> some of these things we do have to, we have to rely on our principles uh, that we do develop from scripture and from our faith in general. Um, but a, a, and a lot of times we're not, you know, we don't get answers directly from a 2000 year old book, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was a good exploration of this topic uh, so far. Um, um, we are still doing this remotely, of course, so um, we're, we're doing, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much longer I can feel uh, that we're not false advertising with Bloody Mary Bible French. There's no Bloody Marys around, but uh, before too long, um, we'll get back to the uh, Bloody Marys. Uh, so it'll be more legitimate when I uh, sign off with, uh, until next time, cheers.